Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. From Westminster in London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Standard. My lords and members of the House of Commons, it is mindful of a legacy of service and devotion to this country set by my beloved mother, the late Queen, that I deliver this, the first King's speech, in over 70 years. An historic moment today at Westminster as King Charles III opened Parliament for the first time as monarch with his first King's speech. Aside from carrying out the speech on behalf of his mother, Queen Elizabeth II, in 2022, it was King Charles's first official address of its kind. Pomp and ceremony aside, though, the true purpose of this speech is to outline the priorities of Rishi Sunak's government for the coming 12 months. And there were one or two things the king would have wanted to announce through gritted teeth. The environmentalist had to declare the government's plans to open the door to new oil and gas fields in the UK. This bill will support the future licensing of new oil and gas fields, helping the country to transition to net zero by 2050 without adding undue burdens on households. There were also pledges to increase the legal age for buying cigarettes, tackle consumer rip-offs like subscription traps and fake reviews, and make it compulsory for criminals to attend their sentencing. So, which key announcements will have the most impact on London, and will this King's speech be a springboard for Sunak ahead of the general election? Joining me now is our full politics team, Nicholas Cecil, Rachel Burford and Jitendra Joshi, to go through the King's speech. First of all, I'm going to start with you, Nick. Can you just run us through what you made of the speech, what some of the key elements of it were? Well, certainly in this speech, we've got 21 bills. It's probably the last King's speech before the general election, almost certainly. So this was Rishi Sunak's big chance to lay out his plans for Britain and how he's going to improve Britain. There's a lot of law and order in this speech. Uh, There was a sentencing bill which would mandate whole life jail terms for killers convicted of the most horrific crimes. It would stop rapists being freed early. There was also a criminal justice bill to force people, criminals, convicted criminals who refused to come to their sentencing, that would force them to come to court. And so there was a clear aim here by the Prime Minister to put some clear blue water between the Conservatives and Labour ahead of the next general election. Now, you've got to remember that the Conservatives are trailing Labour by 15 to 20 points in the polls. So 
Well, there's a whole series of measures here where which Mr. Sunak was trumpeting that saying the economy's growing, we're cutting debt, stopping the small boats and so on. We're in the middle of a cost of living crisis and lots of families are really feeling very hard up. So while the speech was very, very upbeat, this may not measure up with the reality that many people are feeling in their everyday lives. I understand part of the speech was about housing specifically, the renters reform bill, leaseholds. Rachel, you've been keeping an eye on that element of the speech. Yeah, I think the leasehold reforms was particularly interesting, particularly for Londoners. Um, you know, these have been really long promised um, reforms and sort of shake up of leaseholds laws. You know, this is something that's been building ever since the Grenfell tragedy, you know, over six years ago. That really brought to the forefront the problems with leasehold, you know, when all this flammable cladding was seen on buildings. And leaseholders have faced huge, huge fees and uncertainty about whether they'd be responsible for replacing that cladding. And it's just brought to the forefront for everyone, I think, the problems with the leasehold system in general. So there were a few, I mean, a lot of things confirmed that we knew were kind of going to happen and the government had been talking about for the last few months, you know, lease extension terms, so they're going from 90 to 990 years. There's going to be a ban on building new houses, but not flats as leasehold. And they're going to be sort of caps on lease extension payments for flatholders, which has all been sort of talked about before and is very much welcomed by campaigners. Um, I think what was really interesting for Londoners particularly is sort of shake up and change to the non-residential limit, it's called. So that prevents leaseholders in buildings with a mixture of homes, offices, shops, mixed-use developments. That prevents them from buying their freehold or taking over management of their building, usually. Now, that's changing so that if up to half of your building is residential, then leaseholders can get together and have more of a say, form a management company and perhaps buy the leasehold of their building. And that has been really welcomed by campaigners because many of the new developments in London are um, these mixed-use developments. You think Battersea Power Station, think King's Cross. They've got huge amounts of hotels, office space, etc., along with flats. So that's a big thing for London. And um, I spoke to Harry Scoffin, the co-founder of the campaign group Commonhold Now, this morning. And he was saying that that is actually a big victory victory for them but he warned there is actually still so much further to go to make it a fair system so you know these mixed-use blocks they will be able to gain control of their buildings charges and service providers but you know there's still a lot of questions that have to be answered by the government about how that's going to work there's certainly still questions on fees and while it's great that they are banning you know new leasehold houses that doesn't help Londoners that much because most of the properties being built in London are flats and they will still be able to be leasehold. And Jitendra, Nick said that a big focus of this speech was on crime. I understand that's quite a big element the government wanted to to push. What are the key things that have been mentioned? So as as Nick said, they, um, the government is talking um, in particular about issues surrounding sentencing. So, uh, for instance, murderers who are guilty of the most brutal, aggravated murders involving sadistic sexual elements, for example, in those cases, life will mean life. There will be no earlier release and they will have to serve the entirety of a life sentence. Equally, the government is saying that rapists 
will no longer be eligible for early release. So half a, a tariff or two thirds of the tariff uh, of a custodial sentence. If you if you're sentenced to 12 years or 15 years, that's what you will serve if you're found guilty of rape. At the same time, Justice Secretary Alex Chalk is recognising that the prison system is under unprecedented pressure, partly because of the COVID pandemic, and but for its critics, also down to government cutbacks over years of austerity in the criminal justice system, which have left prisons at bursting point, unable even in some cases to take in new inmates. So in an attempt to relieve some of that pressure, the government is saying that people who are sentenced to 12 months or fewer will not necessarily have to serve that time in a jail. The presumption will be that they'll serve it in the community or in some other fashion that avoids hard jail time because in those cases if you're sentenced to 12 months typically you won't even serve more than six months. The government says that's too short a time to rehabilitate someone and in those sorts of sentences the rates of recidivism the rates of people lapsing back into crime are the highest of any sentencing. So it's counterproductive. Let's take a break now in part two, Rishi Sunak's last minute change to the King's speech and King Charles's telling body language. It was one of the few moments where he raised his eyes and perhaps, you know, there was a, an eyebrow twitch was, was over that section. 
you'll struggle to find a, another cabinet minister repeating those words, and certainly Downing Street were not. This measure seems to have been quietly dropped. And just finally, Nick, you mentioned at the start that this is Rishi Sunak's kind of last big announcement, really, of, of what he wants his priorities to be before the general election. How do you think it will be perceived? How do you think it will go down with the public based on the priorities that he outlined? Well, uh, uh, there certainly were no surprises in his King's speech. There was the stuff on law order, some on the economy and so on. But I, I don't think it's going to change the weather. And certainly... Rishi Sunak needs a game changer to get back um, in closing that gap with Labour and I struggle to see that as in this King's speech. We've also got the autumn statement in um, a few weeks time which is a bit like the budget with the budgets in the spring and then we have a second fiscal event in the autumn. There's an ongoing row here over tax cuts, lots of Tory MPs saying give us tax cuts now. Chancellor Jeremy Hunt is saying, looking at the public finances and saying, well, there's very little, if any, room at all to do tax cuts. But there's growing pressure on both him and Mr Sunak to deliver something for the Tory party and the the grassroots uh, because there's simmering discontent that they're so far behind in the polls. There's more news, interviews and analysis in the Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock.